Gee, hello there, and welcome to the Fox Den. Nistu Anagok Biksipidaki. I am Andrea Truejoy Fox, your host for Talks with a Fox. I'm happy you have joined me on this colorful adventure of self-discovery and lifelong learning. Throughout my journey, I have met some amazing human beings who are living inspirational and intentional lives as they fulfill their purpose and share their gifts with the world. I am excited to share these conversations with you, as well as some stories from my life as a Blackfoot woman, Nitsitabiaki, and as a teacher and artist who is navigating through this exciting and beautiful world we live in, challenges and all. So grab a tea or coffee and get ready to feel inspired as you reflect on your own exciting journey and your connection to the world. We are in this together, and there is so much for us to learn and share. Let's do this. Be sure to stop by our Instagram page at Talks with the Fox Podcast and our Facebook page as well at Talks with the Fox Podcast and, of course, our Buzzsprout website. And that way you can always keep up with all the updates. It means so much to me that you are on this journey with us. I was looking through your website and I noticed um, a workshop, a series that you were facilitating called Our Spirits Are Not For Sale. Can you tell me about that more? I can briefly. Um, So that was just a contract that I did through the BC Aboriginal Association of Friendship Centers. I love acronyms as I untangle them. Uh (laughs) Um, And so I I did a series of online engagements with young women from the Northeast um, talking about, you know, that so that our spirits are not for sales about sexual trafficking and sexual exploitation. But the sessions themselves were like, okay, well, how do you want to learn about this content? What is effective? What doesn't work? And in terms of prevention, like what's high up on your list and what is something that you're like, meh, that's, you know, that's not something I'm really interested in what would be effective. And so this was working with young women um, from ages 14 up to, I think we only had two people that were beyond their, their 30s. and. Um, it was, uh, I learned a lot through that process in terms of what works, what doesn't work. And even from like generation or not generation, but like age group to age group, um, the differences in terms of like how they want to be connected with, or, you know, what does it look like for a teenage girl where there's a program offered at high school and the, the, um, likelihood that she'll actually access that program, even if she wants to. And what are those barriers? Like, I didn't think of. So I learned a lot through that. And that, um, I'm hoping that soon I can share the results of that report. Because I haven't been given the, the green light yet from the, but to inform programming. And Um, One thing that I will say, though, that I heard is people are hungry for language. And when I say that, I'm not talking necessarily about like traditional language, but the ability to to initiate difficult conversations and, you know, not knowing what that looks like. And I think sometimes when we think about violence and ending violence or stopping violence or looking at prevention measures, um, we sometimes forget those those basic building blocks of like 
how do you have a hard conversation? You know, never mind. Like we talk about boundary setting. It's like, well, what is a boundary? You know, how do you do that? Let's practice together. <laughs> so it's not so awkward. Um, some of those things that really need to be focused on and not just within boundaries, but conversations like teens being like, well, how do I have this conversation with my friend in terms of like keeping them safe? What does that look like? How do I say it? So this is so great, especially our young people. They need to know how to do this. Like you said, we can't just say, set your boundaries. Well, what does that look like? And how does that sound? I would have loved to have had you come talk to students about this because they need that language and not just young people. Like you said, the people in our communities, because we've been so restricted from having those kinds of conversations because of residential schools and people are just so uncomfortable talking about the hard stuff. But I think the more we start to normalize through the language of talking about it, people will start to talk about it and let go of the hurts that they hold to themselves. Are you going to be doing more of those types of workshops with more young people? So in this last like which is funny because I'm in this this position, this the MMIWG position, which is new to me because I've been contracting and doing my own thing for the past three years. Mm. But when, I don't know, because there's like these ideas that you have of yourself and how you are in the world. And a lot of the times I feel myself evolving more towards like being an artist and, and writing and wanting to run into that, like my my next book that's coming out is called Becoming a Matriarch, which grapples with the loss of my mom and grandma, but also looking at how do I step into that role. And in the face of loss, um, knowing that there's a space there for becoming and what does that look like? And so in terms of the future, I don't know what that looks like. Um, I don't know if that's I'm gravitating more towards this, this other side of being in the world, um, knowing that I will still hold space for these types of, of conversations. I really like um, not just doing engagements like that where there's a roadmap built, but I like holding conversations with people or creating a space for them to have those conversations. And that for me is, is artwork. So I think something like that will always be a part of my my journey for sure. I'm so excited to see your next book. I was reading about it on your website. Uh, just the title itself, Becoming a Matriarch, that's such a beautiful, powerful title. And I can't wait, Helen, to read that one. When does that one get published? Uh, it's still a ways away. So it'll be out in spring 2023 with Double Day. Yeah, with Double Day. Okay. <laughs> I was like, I don't, I wasn't sure if it was like publishing after that or press. <laughs> so I was like, I'm just gonna be quiet. <laughs> Once I find out more about when dates for that coming out, I know I'll be one of the first ones to order it right away. For my own healing journey, reading in my own moccasins was so powerful and I sobbed after I read it. Usually when I find books that I just can't put down, I'll, I'll read them in a day or two, but yours. I took time to read it and sit with it and then reflect and have some tears and then talk about it with my husband. Thank you for writing that for all of us who have been 
fortunate to access your book and read it. And I've given it away as a gift to someone. And I know she's going to really appreciate reading it as well. And I look forward to becoming a matriarch. <laughs> Literally and reading your book. <laughs> oh, dear. Wow. I know you're making the women in your family proud and you are the medicines that we need to continue to see in our communities. I have so much respect for the work that you do, Helen. Thank you so much. I wanted to ask you, you're on the Minister's Advisory Council of Indigenous Women. No, not anymore. After, after I lost my mom, I stepped down. Okay, understandably so. Yeah, but with, with that, that was, so I've always been a person who's pushed through everything. And mm-hmm. that moment. You know, after my mom passed, I knew my grandma was going to be leaving this world soon. And it was just like, Helen, like, you need to take care of yourself and create mm-hmm. space for yourself. And it's okay to not be okay. And mm-hmm. like, not be, um, my mom would always say, like, you don't need me to, or you need, I don't need you to be a, a superhero in order for me to love you. And um, learning to step away and step down and say no to things. And that was huge for me. So, you know, Mm. I'm I'm out (laughs) that I did that instead of, um, persevering, which has been my, my natural trait. Big respect to you because yes, not everybody would make that decision for their own reason. That says so much about who you are as a person and as a woman, as a leader. What does the Ministry Advisories Council of Indigenous Women do? What sort of work? I have an idea, but for someone who may not be so familiar, can you tell me what the Advisories Council does? Yeah, so they go by McHugh, and um, it's a council formed by the BC government, and they meet quarterly. I think it's quarterly, or yeah, it was quarterly. And uh, essentially, they, they meet with um, different ministries and talk about the changes that they are planning to make, giving insight to those ministries in terms of um, things that they haven't thought of when it comes to Indigenous women and their needs, and um, also raising the voices from their own region, like own perspective regions, and hoping that they're in those rooms in Victoria. I'll be honest, I don't even know if Alberta has one of those. I'm going to look into it. And if we don't, we should, because everything you just (laughs) described, we just need to continue to see more of these advisories and councils and led by our women, for our women. For sure. Wow. (laughs) Before we close, I like to go into four final questions that I like to ask my guests. And sometimes it's related to what we talked about. Sometimes it's just completely out in left field. So all I ask is just if you can answer whatever comes to mind, try not to think too hard about it and have fun while you're answering. (laughs) So I'm curious. Question one, is this what you wanted to do when you were a child? Did you have some idea that you would be doing the work you're doing when you grew up? I wanted to be William Shakespeare. So (laughs) (laughs) not knowing I couldn't be William Shakespeare. uh, So like I'm writing so mm-hmm. yeah you're moving mountains I know he did some pretty incredible stuff but you're moving mountains with the type of work you do so <laughs> move over Shakespeare mm-hmm. okay question two do you have an interesting writing quirk something that is your must-have while you write 
Um, so when I'm writing on poetry, not, not like creative nonfiction, but when I'm working on poetry, uh, I either take a shower or a bath and I talk my poems out like over and over and over and over again. And that's like one of my favorite practices as poetry in the shower. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The best poems happen in the shower. (laughs) Wow. Okay. Very interesting. So this next question, I'm really curious to know, what do you want young people to know, especially those who have endured trauma and or adversity? That they're worthy of the best love and care. Um, I felt that in my heart. All right. The final four of the final four question here. Where do you want to be this time next year? Oh, I want to have my book finished (laughs) (laughs) next year (laughs) and uh, like living in a post COVID world where I can take my, like be planning to take my son somewhere for spring break because I miss, I miss being out in the world. I miss myself like within that, that freedom. So, yeah. I think we can all relate to that and agree to that. Yes. (laughs) Where would you like to take him? Do you have any places that are on your bucket list of visiting? Uh, Like we, we've done Cuba and we did the UK together. Um, I would really like to go to Greece. I don't know if that's just a mom trip because I, I'm like, okay, kid, we do a trip together. The mom gets a trip. And then we do it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, maybe Greece is a mom trip. And so one, uh, Costa Rica, let's say that. Nice. Yes. Yes. I, I would love to go to Greece. And yeah, I, I think that needs to be child free. <laughs> yeah. <a> mom trip. <laughs> Good stuff. This is a reverse question. And like, obviously like post interview, but where do you see yourself in here? Like, what do you... What are your hopes? Wow. (laughs) I've never been asked that. So thank you for asking. (laughs) You know, Helen, I'm going to be a mom. So (laughs) thank you. Yeah, we'll, we'll have our baby in August. So a year from now, I hope I'm not losing my mind as a new mom. (laughs) Just keeping my sanity. It'll be so good in the best kind of way. (laughs) Thank you. I'm going to remember that, especially on those days where I hear new moms, you go through the journey and oh yeah, yeah, (laughs) as I'm sure you remember. So yeah, just uh, embracing motherhood and trying to get my master's done. That's been a journey in itself. So mm-hmm. yeah, we'll see how it goes, but thanks for asking that. I will just say that, um, not, not even in terms of flow, but in terms of your questions and your ability to be reflexive in the moment and be on point with your questions. This is probably one of the better interviews I've had. I've done a lot. So, oh my gosh. So, thank you for that. And I just wanted to acknowledge that because um, you were on point and I appreciate that. So, Wow. Thank you, Helen. That is just like the greatest compliment. I really appreciate any feedback that I get. Helen, you are such a gem. And as I said earlier, you are a true warrior woman. And I'm grateful for women like you who are out there in our communities and in this country doing the work that you do and really carving space to ensure that our voices are heard and that 
things are changing. We may not see it overnight, but it is people like you who are part of that change and you're living it in your everyday life. And the work that you do is so meaningful. My hand to heart. Thank you, Helen, for sharing today, taking time to talk with me. And I'm so happy all my listeners will get to hear part of your story today. So, thank you so much for having me and for creating this space and for reaching out. <laughs> Absolutely. I look forward to reading Becoming a Matriarch and just following you on your beautiful journey.